Hey everyone, Benji and Igor at the Contractor Evolution Studio. As an entrepreneur, I know you know firsthand how much work it takes to feed the machine. Sales is and always will be the lifeblood of your business. And for a lot of you, that's a role that you still own the majority of. While keeping the leads flowing, keeping the revenue rolling is critical, you also have all of your CEO duties, right? Somebody still has to run the company. So striking a balance between these two super different roles is something that a lot of you are currently navigating. Now, as your business becomes more multifaceted and the time that you have to sell decreases, it becomes imperative to be super efficient in your sales duties. So simply put, you got to sell more in less time. You need to create margin in your calendar so you can get back to strategizing for the future, to building a killer team, to maintaining a healthy bottom line, and all of that other super important stuff. So this is why today we're excited that we have Ryan Groth on the show. Ryan is the founder of Sales Transformation Group, or STG for short. Now, STG works specifically with contractors, helping them implement reliable sales systems to achieve explosive growth. Now, we've become pretty close friends with Ryan over the last couple of years because he shares our passion for empowering contractors and changing this industry. And we thought it'd be great to have him on here today to shed some light on what separates those who are, we'd call pretty above average in the sales world from those who are truly elite in the world of, of, of construction sales. Yeah. So today's episode, it's structured around three habits you need to break and then what to replace them with. So specifically, we dive into number one, maximizing your sales ROI by becoming extremely particular about who you decide to do estimates for by tightening up your pre-qualifying process. Number two, how to move into a more consultative selling approach and have your prospects hoping to work with you. And lastly, how dropping the need to be liked can actually boost your closing ratio. Now, really quick note before we get rolling, this episode is designed for a contractor who is still doing the lion's share of selling for the business. If you, like a lot of our listeners, have completely stepped out of sales and have a salesperson or a sales team doing deals for you, you should send them this episode because it's a must listen. So without further ado, let's dive into how to squeeze the most out of your sales process with Ryan Groth. You're listening to Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. If you're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Ryan Groth, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Igor. Looking good in Maui. What time is it over there? Nice and early? Yeah, here. It's uh, 7.16 in the morning. Yeah. God, I love that Hawaii time zone. <laughs> so good. Dude, it's it's really good to see you. I'm so excited to get, get into this uh, with you. You are one of my absolute favorite BTA partners. Uh, we've had many fun conversations and, and visits over the years. And this is going to be one of the best, I think. What we're going to do today um, is we're going to discuss three habits that really separate the elite performers in the realm of sales from people that are just good or above average. So we're going to, how we're going to do this is we're going to talk about three habits that you need to stop and what to replace them with. And, uh, it, it, it should be a good one. Totally. And this habit building is such an important thing in sales for those of you who, uh, take the lion's share of the sales yourself. And also if you're leading a sales team, but overseeing sales 
for yourself and others based on principles is so powerful. I remember this is a while ago now, back in 2007, there was uh, a mentor that was that had a huge influence for me in business and in sales specifically. He's still to this day one of the strongest salespeople I've, I've ever met precisely because he holds himself to these kind of principles that we're going to talk about today so strictly. But I remember going on a number of estimates with him and it was in the context of a painting company and my sales ratio, like my closing ratio went up literally almost 20% from the month previous to doing some of this shadowing with him to the month after, because I just, I observed the way that he very simply just held himself to a number of principles, every single estimate quote in, quote out, the same principles were adhered to. And and for me, that was such a huge eye-opener, both for how much I learned so quickly by observing that from him, but by literally also just seeing my sales metrics skyrocket so bluntly right after this. And, and that's really what it was. Like he held himself accountable to these uh, to these principles that were so important. And they, they were basically these things we're going to talk about today. So that was really cool. And, and I, that really stuck with me that one experience, I remember it, every detail, every customer, every house, the, the actual estimate we were running, I remember it to a T. And and it's so uh, clear for me that that whole experience that in the years following when I was running a sales team, so Benji, you would remember this, um, when you and I worked together, so I was running, it was basically like 18 to 20 uh, franchisees essentially who were doing a ton of sales for three years. I would run these like sales clinics uh, and we'd run them for four or five weeks in the sa- in the kind of key sales time of year, and it was dri- and what I was doing is I was driving those same principles home and teaching people to really to hold themselves to this principles based selling where mm. no matter what every estimate you go into, you are accountable to yourself for making sure that you hit on a certain number of things every time, no matter what. Sales is extremely, extremely methodical. I've said this before. It's like a golf shot or it's like practicing your your three-pointer or it's like anything that where there's a process and you follow a certain series of steps. Um, and, And I think most people that have done some level of sales are familiar with a fairly basic sales process from lead comes in, we call them, we set up the quote, we go meet them, we build rapport, we find out, about the scope, we understand their needs, we build a proposal, we ask for a deposit, and some percent, some percentage of the time, that, that works. So most people get that, but what we're gonna get into today are some of the subtle, like really high-performing aspects of that process that I think um, people maybe don't pay attention to enough, and this is what creates margin if you're in your calendar, right? If you want to sell more, in less time, which as a business owner, you need to, you're doing a, you're doing a full-time sales job on top of being a CEO. So we we need to like, you know, we we need to uh, make sure that we are hyper, hyper efficient with that. So the first habit, Ryan, and I want to get your thoughts on this um, right off the hop here. Stop doing estimates, quotes, proposals, whatever for anyone who asks and begin to practice extremely strict and rigorous pre-qualifying. What does that mean to you? Yeah, well, that that right now, I mean, that's a huge point that I think a lot of people struggle with. Let's just talk about the consequence of this for a second, right? Like anybody wants a quote, anybody wants an estimate, you run out and you go through the process to perform that estimate. And when you don't hit certain milestones in a structure, a structured milestone centric sales process, what happens is there's no value. uh, There's no decisions. There's a lot of think it overs 
put-offs. Uh, your closing ratio is low. It costs more to get a customer. You may lower your price to be competitive because you didn't really hit the milestones that support your ability to sell your value. And you're tired and you're all over the place. And then you have a challenging time functioning other parts of your business. So when you just give a quote to anybody without pre-qualifying them, it's, it's, really, it's really damaging to your business. So that's like the one thing, like the consequence of not doing it, not pre-qualifying and not screening is really a problem. Because if you do that, you're probably finding that a lot of people don't wanna buy from you, they don't see your value, and then only a small percentage end up doing that. That approach will give you a 10% closing rate, just mm-hmm. that, right? Uh, and nobody wants to live like that, that's not fun. So what I think about pre-qualifying, I think about like, are they even in the vicinity of somebody that you can help? Um, not to ne- not necessarily are they fully seeing your value right now and things like that, but are they even in the vicinity? Like, you got people who who want to who want like a siding job, and you go out there and um, you're a roofing company, and you didn't even know that until you got to the appointment. Like, just basic things like that. Like, we're looking for something here, but we didn't really find out. So, pre-qualifying. Uh, it can happen all the way from your marketing to the way your, your website looks to your form inquiries to the way your the person answers the phone. But that to me is like not the level of pre-qualifying I even think that salespeople can do on the way there that they could take to the next level. But pre-qualifying is just basically making sure that they're in the vicinity. And a lot of companies aren't disciplined up front to know that. And that means you got to really understand like who's your, who's your best client and who are the ones that you just don't have a high hit rate with that don't pay you on time they're a bad experienced customer and can we find a way to get rid of those people early before they even hit the sales process and where it begins yeah. uh so that's a huge you know huge deal like i'm looking at like i was a baseball player played some professionally and collegially and it's like basically it's like hey i'm trying to i'm trying to score here but i'm literally going to swing at any pitch you throw me right it's right? a great like, analogy. No matter what you throw me, I'm going to swing. Like that's what it's like to just say I'm going to try to quote anybody who asks for something. I, right? I love that word vicinity that you just used because that, that is exactly what you're trying to do. You're, you're figuring out are these people somewhere on the target, hopefully in the middle of the target of what we would call our ideal client profile. We, we do need to do a whole other episode on building those. But you through your pre-qualifying, whether you're doing this over the phone in sort of a traditional setup call, whether you have set up really good landing pages or forms on your website, if, if you're a little more techie, the goal here is actually to do fewer quotes with way, way better people. If you run a business and you find yourself in someone's backyard looking at a, you know, a falling apart house with dogs barking in the background and you find out actually they're renters, you're like, what am I doing here? And I think, I think we've all, we've all, you know, found ourselves in that situation before. Uh, that's maybe a little bit dramatized, but yeah, the, the goal is to, um, is to really become extremely fussy, extremely picky with who you go spend time with as a salesperson. Now, one thing that needs to happen to do that, I'll just say, is letting go of that scarcity mindset and being like, okay, it's actually okay to throw away a lead. Like it's actually okay to just, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to do a quote for you. This does not sound like something that we're set up well to do. And one really just small nugget here I'll I'll, I'll share, uh, Igor, is what makes this very easy as a contractor is if you have relationships with other contractors that you can very easily refer things to. So I would, if like, I would always have a few types of, um, 
I had a painting contractor, I had a carpenter, I had a small renos guy. And if, if I talk to somebody on the phone and you're like, ah, you know what, this doesn't sound like the kind of job I want to do, you feel guilty. Like you don't want to give them bad service and say, yeah, I'm not interested. See you later. What, what good does that do for your brand? But what you can do is say, hey, this project is a little bit out of our expertise. Here is someone who I know does a really good job on this type of product. So if you're a contractor, one of the easiest ways to get better at pre-qualifying is to have relationships with people that you can dish those projects to. Totally. You have to have respect for yourself, your time and respect for your business, right? Because you have... Uh, you have a huge responsibility outside of sales, right? And and that that goes for whether you're driving a whole bunch of the sales yourself or you're leading a sales team. But man, the reality of your job is that most of it is not sales related. You have to lead your people. You have to lead the strategy of your business, the financial management, the customer experience. There's, there's so many elements that you have a responsibility to and the idea of wasting your time um, doing quotes that are that are that are that useless essentially to me is 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 pretty staggering from mm-hmm. from like the pure waste of time that that is and and if you're gonna take yourself seriously as a business owner as you business owner and leader you don't have time for that kind of stuff no ryan do you have just, like just a rule about of- this for a second I, I got a quick like just a visual like hmm. imagine so most people listening to this perhaps not necessarily the case but like our owners who are still selling right so they're doing some selling there's probably i'm hopeful there's companies with teams and I love working with them and and that's a good move but if you if you imagine an owner who's just trying to keep things moving is 100% of the time in the business out of that 100 Benji how much do you think typically they're spending in sales oh i i mean sometimes as high as 60 or 70% which they which they should which they shouldn't be but yeah that's not uncommon maybe more sometimes Right. So like, let's pretend that they migrated from, I'm going to give anybody a quote to, and I'm only going to speak and meet with and present to people who have satisfied my criteria mm. that they had to pass through. And, and, and out of that 67% of the time, they're going to spend less time, you know, actually selling, but they're going to have more margin to think, right? They're going to be able to spend a little bit more time with those customers, ask better questions, spend more time in the proposal and estimate, actually follow up. I mean, if you look at the problems when someone's maxed out like that, they don't even follow up. Maybe, maybe they don't even show up, right? So then that's terrible. So you just eliminate some of those basic things like being professional, being on time. And like that, that's stuff that doesn't slip through the cracks when you're not maxed out. So when you slow it down, right, you have more margin, you're pickier, you're more present, you're fully engaged, you spend a little bit more time, you're not rushing to the next appointment, just that's going to improve your closing ratio, but you're going to do it with the right types of people. And then you're going to be able to like close them and manage your calendar like a professional, follow up, get the decision, like all those things add up very quickly. And it all starts with you having an abundance mindset and saying, hey, you know, we're doing our part and we know who we can help. And as long as we're, you know, you're doing our part, we're going to have a bonus mindset and not have FOMO. It's going to work out for us. And it, what ends up happening is you release that fear and you step into this abundance and then you're way more present. And then guess what? You, you land jobs with good clients. Cause you're excited they to be refer there. You to more like that. Yeah. Just right. It just kind of propagates forward to you're getting more of that yeah. type of clientele. Yeah, and you have the time. Feeling. You've got the time and the mental presence to be there, to truly be there. Yeah, like you, I, I've I've kind of installed a rule of thumb for myself over the years, which is that if I'm not seventy five percent sure that this is going to end up in a deal, I don't go. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I, like if, I, if I'm sort of like building rapport with a customer or, I, or I'm like, I'm, get, I'm just at the early stages of the sales process and my energy is flat because the project, the client, the neighborhood, the budget, art, whatever, aren't hitting the criteria to use your word. I notice in myself 15 minutes in, I am flat. Like I'm like, which is not good. You, you need, and that's a good sort of litmus test for yourself. If you are doing estimates with people that, and, or, or um, potential clients that you're just not fired up about, something has been missed mm-hmm. in this pre-qualifying step. And- I like to call before, like, you know, just to say this one, I like to call it, you gotta have an appetite for what your ideal client is. Like once you know what it feels and tastes like to work with somebody, you're like, ah, I don't want to eat McDonald's, right? Like I want something with some nutrition on that thing because I need nutrition to grow this business. I need some hefty gross profit on time when I want, <laughs> not chasing money, right? And that's that's like the way you got to believe for us to even begin to happen. Totally. Once, once, once you get a taste for that, for working with those ideal ideal clients, uh, that appetite gets, gets set in and, and you really can't go back from there. So- Anyway, that that's point one, right? Like stop, stop spraying and praying and begin being very, very picky. Follow your criteria. Make sure that you are sitting down with potential clients you're really excited about. So Ryan, it, tell me if I'm, so I'm bought into this principle, right? I'm a, I'm a listener. I'm bought in. What, give, like, give me the very tangible things I have to not miss time in, time out. Yeah, so... Um, I want to hear an actual express desire to fix something or build something that I don't have. Like I need to hear that you're like concerned or really want it because the intellect shops, the emotion buys. Mm. So that's when we step into like, Hey guys, like I really need help with this or this is happening. And yet, I don't want to get too excited too early. We teach our sales people that we train not to have what we call happy ears, where you get real excited and then you skip a bunch of steps because you think it's a slam dunk. But what we do want to hear is we want to hear somebody who actually wants something with a desire coming from a place of emotion, because that's when we're going to be able to get a lot more information. And they're not just doing what the intellect does, which is shop you out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like a key thing is like, is this a professional buyer? Or is this somebody who really wants help and wants a consultant because I'm not going to be cheap and I'm going to be more expensive. We're going to do it right the first time. And it's not going to be, we're not just like, you know, tank top Tommy. Right. Totally. So I think that's definitely my point there. There's so much more we can talk about, but yeah. yeah. That, that, that the expressed desire I think is a really good soundbite uh, for our listeners. A couple other obvious ones that come to mind would be like, have you thought about desired dates? Like, is there, is there a point in time that you are planning to have this done? Have you worked with our type of contractor? Have you done this type of project before? Um, do, do they actually sound on the phone like your people? Because you, like, you, know, you will have an appetite, you will develop an ear for that. I, I mean, I even look at geography. I'm like, is this a neighborhood that I do a lot of jobs in or is this like completely on the wrong side of tracks? It is gonna change from business to business, that, that, that criteria, but the point is you think through it for your specific ideal client profile, for your specific type of project, and you adhere to it rigorously. Okay. I think that's, I mean, I can really relate to that even like from a buyer's perspective. I think a lot of us can when like for your own home, when you really want to get something done and you're talking to a contractor, like Benji, we were hanging out on my patio not long ago. Like I remember 
you know, a couple months ago, I wanted to get that done, right? I was on the phone with the landscaping company and I was like, this is what I want. This is when I want to get it done. When can you be here? I want to talk about this, Yeah, right? That's, that's a motiv- motivated buyer to your point, Ryan, who's excited about making it happen. Anyway, I want to wrap up just before we move on to the second topic with this one all important point for you to even have a chance to dive into this, this stuff and to truly be present with it to your point, Ryan, you have to make the time for proper setup calls, right? Oh. So this is not, what this is not is this whole like driving around, uh, you're doing it in your car and the Bluetooth. Coming back to what I was talking about when we started this this episode about this like principles-based selling that you hold yourself to principles. One of the principles I would always hold myself to in, in, my, in my painting company career was no matter what, I will always sit down for a very focused setup call. Mm-hmm. And it's headphones on, pen in hand. We didn't have sophisticated CRMs even at that time where you take notes in there, but it was pen in hand, headphones on, and I'm there 15, 20 minutes with the prospective client fully present. That's something I'd hold myself to. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you're not doing it on the job site. You're not doing it from Starbucks. It totally. is, that is focused time and it, it matters a great deal. Okay. That's point one. Let's, let's move on to habit number two. So uh, this is the habit to break. Stop the show up and throw up style of estimate or, or sales process and move towards a consultative selling approach. Um, I've got, I've got some thoughts on all this, but, but Ryan, t- tell us a bit more about consultative selling. How do you define it? What does it look like in your world? Yeah. Consultative selling is you position yourself as an expert consultant, right? And so that is a mindset that says, Hey, I'm like a doctor. You're a patient. Doctors ask a bunch of questions before they provide what they think is the solution to your pain, right? Or your desire. And I think that anytime you, if you were to go to a doctor or a a trainer at the gym and they're just like, all right, here, we're going to do this today. And this is what it's going to look like. And then this is what we do with everybody. Like you would probably feel uh, like not understood, not thought of, not cared for, not uh, there's just no connection. And you just kind of almost feel like they're salesy. Right. And so people think that educating everybody is actually sales and you're being a good salesperson, but it's actually really salesy to just educate everybody on right. what you do. It's, it's the opposite effect. It's actually less salesy to ask more questions and to investigate and understand how we can really help because that's where the value is created. That's where the expert persona is demonstrated. And I think that, you know, when you look at somebody who's on the other side of a consultative salesperson, it's almost like that person's like, man, I feel really understood. I hope that they tell me something. I, I want them to work with me because they understand me better than anyone else. They know my situation better than anyone else. And if they're asking these questions, they clearly are better than everybody else right. just by form of asking good and great tough questions. And so I don't care what you're selling, right? what industry you're in. Consultative selling is, I think, defined by you asking good, great, and tough questions. That is consultative selling. And the way you know you've asked good, great, and tough questions is whenever you're doing that and then the prospect goes, hmm, that's a good question. Or, hmm, that's a great question. Or, hmm, that's a tough question. That's how you know you ask a really good, great, or tough question. And so when you're doing that, uh, they they feel that they're not in this, I just want to buy, uh, like I'm here to shop you out. That gets in, in this pattern interrupt where they're having to kind of investigate a, go, a little deeper of whether it's their desired situation or 
what they did before, all with the purposes of differentiating yourself, positioning yourself to spend, for them to spend more to work with you, for them to pay you when you need to, creating more leverage and tension. And that is uh, consultative selling. It doesn't have to take a long time either. It just makes that prospect say, wow, I could tell they're going to be more expensive and it's worth it because I feel the value because they understand my situation, what I tried to do before, why it worked, why didn't it work. They're helping frame me up to do it right with this company. And I think that that's, that's a short answer to that yeah. question. Though. I, this, is, um, this really speaks to me in particular because it's, it's a shift that I think has happened somewhat organically. I didn't realize that, that it was called consultative selling, but it makes so much sense, which was um, what I used to do is ask a few really generic questions just to sort of like get them talking but you're not really listening. You're kind of waiting to say the thing that you have like canned in your back pocket. You're like, yeah, 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 I get it. Okay, you want the house painted? And they're like, the, you know, this is important to you. And okay, yeah, okay. When do I get to talk? Like that's the, that's the, that's the show up and throw up. That's that old school approach. Now I, I've found there's so much power in this question asking piece. If you just like sit there and you focus directly on someone, people love to talk about themselves, first of all. Mm-hmm. We live in an unbelievably distracted time. I've said this on, on other episodes. We've got these phones in our pockets that have a bajillion notifications a day. There's a million channels on TV. People's attention spans seems to be plummeting every year. If you can like actually give someone your deep focus, that means something to them and they're getting something from you that they're not getting from other areas in their life. Even though you're just like, a, a renovator there to like look at a project that they're thinking about or you run a roofing company and they they need a re-roof like even even though it's sort of this seemingly transactional thing that they need and you deliver the presence that you bring to that meeting is where the magic happens and i've found that when you shift your ratio of you know show up and throw up is i'm going to listen for 20 percent of this meeting and then i'm going to talk for 80 if you reverse that and you i'm going to listen for 80 and then i'm going to share a few ideas explain a little bit about the company and our process right at the end, you have them in the palm of your hand. Absolutely. It, it's like people hate to be sold, but people love to buy, right? And I know like if you go to the mall and you walk into the store and you're looking for something and then somebody helps you. I love going to like Nordstrom, right? I go into Nordstrom for like one pair of pants and I end up buying like five shirts and like new underwear and like a nice uh, whatever because that person's like helping me. Like, what are you looking for? Oh, this is, hey, that actually looks good on you or this or that. And, you know, but then you go to the mall and you see somebody in a kiosk trying to like sell you, you know, some snake oil. Like you're like, get away from me. You know, like they hate, you hate to be sold, but you love, you love to buy. And so I think that especially goes for where we all want to go. I mean, what what contractor doesn't want to be doing 30 to 60% gross profit margins on jobs instead of doing five at 20, 15%, right? Just to try to make the same money. And, And that's, that's everything to do with our ability to kind of create that value and connect and help people buy. People want to do it right, right? They want somebody who can help them ensure it's going to be legit. So yeah, yeah, I mean, for sure, 80-20 rule, right? Listen more. um, Because what's happening is you have all the leverage in the world and you're just saying, hey, I'm going to help help you get from what you just described to where you want. We're going to make it easy. And versus trying to create an anxious pressure, like I'm adding energy to make this deal happen. You're just, when you ask good questions, they, the deal happens by itself. And so we just have to have like a, pa- a certain amount of patience, presence, and confidence that 
when they talk more and they're kind of instead of us showing up and throwing up i like my prospect or my clients have said man they vomited all over me and i'm like that's that's the way it should be right they're vomiting on you like finally someone has uh to take the time of day to just like ask me questions and why my building keeps leaking or why my home is like you know all the other contractors that didn't even show up to the appointment and i can't believe it like no one takes the time to even just engage and that right there just doing that is gonna be like 60 percent of what's needed to close the deal just a little bit more is necessary it's also a a lot less energy which is something i i think um uh, the show up and throw uppers maybe don't realize is to just ask a few good questions and, and practice active listening is using like 2% of your battery to like get on, you know, get on your soapbox and start the pitch. You're just like, I'm exhausted every time, like 10 minutes in. It was like, God, I can't st-. like, I'm, I'm tired of myself. Totally. Um, I think something to realize as well is that uh, North Americans love, especially North Americans love their homes right? That you're going to, if you're talking to the right client, they love their house, right? Any serious client is going to love their backyard, their side, like the way that they're, the siding makes their house look or the paint job or whatever. And, um, and, and if you truly, if you trust that, you know, that if you start asking the right questions, they're going to want to talk about it, right? This isn't like, this isn't some random thing that they don't care a ton about. Like this is, this is something they're proud of, right? This is Mm -hmm. home. Absolutely. What, what, I just want to um, uh, insert one very practical piece of advice for someone that's listening to this and they're going, yeah, that does make sense. That, I want to move in that direction. That really resonates. One thing that you can do very simply that will make sh- um, this shift quite easy is take some time to think through the questions that you can and should ask in any estimate. So I actually have a list of 75 questions that I've written out on a whole bunch of different topics. I've laminated the sheet and it sits with me. And before every meeting I do, I will read through the notes. I'll remember the setup call I did. And I will actually highlight the questions that I definitely want to hit with this client. And it, it just gives me a little bit of something to lean on. It gives me some sense of structure and you feel, um, you feel very confident moving in, in this consultative way. Well, after time, you're probably never going to open that sheet up again. It'll become so organic. But if you can actually um, take a few hours and and write down a list of 20 questions, you're not going to use all of all of them every estimate, but you'll use a few, um, and just use that as sort of a, a sales tool for you as you prepare for meetings. That's that helped me a ton. One thing that I just want to like say too about the listeners is like, man, what if somebody's like, man, they're asking me so many questions. It's almost like isn't it going to be awkward to ask them all these questions, right? And it's like, I like to say, it's only awkward if you think it's awkward, right? It's not awkward. If you you think it's awkward, it's going to be awkward. But you know what actually is the case? Even with my companies who role play with each other, the person on the other side is like, oh my gosh, that was the best role play ever, right? Even just role playing being heard, right? Just, it's so powerful. So like, it's only awkward if you think it's awkward by asking questions, and why don't you try sitting on the other side of letting somebody do it and wa- watch how you feel. The prospect's gonna feel like you care. The prospect's gonna feel like you've taken the time to listen, that you actually understand them, that you're professional, you're writing it down. It shows that it's something like it's important. And when someone feels important by you, I mean, well, 
like what else right how many how many customers feel like the contractor doesn't value them and it's not, you're not important right they're not answering my calls they're not showing up to my estimate like like just that takes everything to a new level I'm, we're talking basic fundamental sales frameworks here that will change everything and you it most people avoid them or neglect them not even mention master them and you know but right now I have this kind of a competency we talked about habits like what's what happens if we go from hey right now I'm unconsciously incompetent I don't even know that I'm not that good at sales but now I'm un, I'm uh, unconsciously uh, sorry unconsciously competent. incompetent now I know right and so then we become consciously competent where we're starting to say hey when I focus on this I'm good and to the point that you had earlier it's like you know Benji you don't even use the sheet anymore because you've become a habit now you're unconsciously competent you like you roll out of bed and you have an appetite for it you know what it feels like sounds like you're engaged and then when that's happening and habits are forming through your with yourself your closing ratio increases your deal sizes increase your backlog strong you know feels good looks good and then you're like okay now i just need to get other salespeople to do this with me and then i don't have to do it anymore either some some owners love it and they don't ever want to leave selling but anyway that's a that's just the point i wanted to make about that yeah the, the other really simple thing on the question asking too is you just tell them, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come over. The way that my, my estimates work is I, I like to ask a ton of questions. I really want to get to know you. You set that expectation early and it's, it's not going to feel awkward at all. Um, awesome. Okay, so stop showing up and throwing up. Move towards a consultative selling approach. Point number two. Habit number three that we need to break is... And this is a tough one. You need to stop needing to be liked and you need to begin to command the room. So where, um, either one of you, I know you both have really great, uh, really great points on this. Uh, where does that needing to be liked thing come from and how does it actually adversely affect our sales process? Yeah, like think about this. Um, you know, most of us have this, this belief that, hey, if they like me, then they'll buy from me, right? That's like, it sounds logical. And that's typically maybe how you've gone about life. Uh, but, but the reality is, is it's not helping your sales as much as you think. So here's the problem with thinking with this belief that if they like me, you know, Benji likes me, or likes me, then they're gonna buy from me, right? So the problem with that is you start to think that if I start to ask them more questions, if I start to kind of go deeper in the pain that they've you know, put in there, if I get personal or if I ask for too much detail, then that's going to come across as rude. That's going to come across as abrasive. That's going to come across as aggressive. And therefore, <clears throat> I, I'm, I don't want to cross that boundary because that means they won't buy from me and then I won't get the deal. So then what happens is you, you go to the other end of the spectrum and you're hopeful that you're likable and you're hopeful that um, that you, the little questions you ask is enough and then you present and then then they think it over or they don't buy from you. It's like they, it's because you didn't create enough value because you got scared and you got too confident and you thought that the reality is, is they like you to, to buy. And reality is, is they don't need to like you to buy. People don't buy people they like. They, they buy from people that they they got to be likable to a degree. But likability only just creates an easier environment to create value, right. which is really you, you know needing to be respected and, and commanding the room. Like people don't want to buy from somebody who doesn't seem certain and confident and taking them somewhere 
And so I like to call it, uh, you know, be the graciously assertive alpha dog. Like it's like, it's like a, that's like my term, like be the graciously assertive alpha dog. So you're like super friendly and warm, but you're not relying on being friendly and warm to get paid. And, you know, it's probably maybe not the most appropriate analogy, but it's kind of like being in the friend zone, right? Like when you're dating, it's like when you're in the friend zone, you're like, oh, he's my friend. It's like, I need to be your like partner, right? I need to be someone you, you, we, we get down and you pay me. Like I need to get someone who's ready to, who, who, who whenever I text you, you text right away. Yeah. Like whenever I call, you pick up the phone, like right away. I don't, salespeople who don't get callbacks and text backs, it's because you're in the friend zone. Get out of the friend zone, be a consultant, add crazy good value, command responses, not in an arrogant way, because I don't like arrogance or being a narcissist and things like that. But you got to be somebody who's expectant of a response, expectant of a decision. And people who are relying on the need to be liked to get the deal, they're completely missing out on that type of velocity. And so I hope that is kind of what it's, I'm yeah. it's so good. Don't get don't get friend zoned by your prospects. It sucks. Uh, you're going to sell at a way lower percentage. You're probably going to give away more discounts. When the project actually gets done and something goes wrong, you're going to hear about it way more. It's not a good place to be in the context of this relationship. There's one thing that you just said that I really want to zoom in on for our listeners, which is you are taking them somewhere and you command. Oh, yeah. You don't demand. That's cocky. That's arrogant. But you command. And so there's a whole bunch of different places within a sales process where you can demonstrate this. So the first is doing a setup call, for example. Here's a classic example of, of you know, commanding versus being in the friend zone. You don't offer somebody your entire calendar for the for when they when they want to do an estimate. Hey, I'm free anytime next, like later this week. Well, pick Tuesday at nine. You say, no, actually, look, I um I've got two spots on Tuesday afternoon. I have a 3 p.m. and a 5 p.m. If that doesn't work, we could do something Thursday. Otherwise, we're booking into next week. That's Don't. way different from like, when would you like your estimate done? Okay, so that's that's one example of some command. You arrive, you greet them at the door, you greet them at the site, whatever. It's it's not, hey, so yeah, like let's uh, show me the project. It's here's how this, here's how this estimate is gonna go. Here's the process. We're gonna start here. Here's the middle, here's the end. And then you start to execute that process that you just laid out. So these are just examples of how to really bring that like command, that sort of alpha energy into your sales process. And the bizarre thing is it's like it's subliminal messaging. People don't even realize that it's happening, but all of a sudden they go. And this is what you want, by the way, you want your prospects to go. This guy or girl has clearly done this before and therefore I trust them. Boom. Totally. Yeah, it's like if you're saying, hey, I want to drive this vehicle right now, you better be ready to go. Right. And that's like that's why you got to be prepared and trained and have a sales process and know that it's going to work. Like, again, like it's only, only awkward you think it's awkward. It's So the way we start our calls once we're on like our strategy session, which is the appointment at home or what we would teach somebody to be like, so here's how this is going to go. Just like you said earlier. I'm gonna ask you a bunch of good, great, and hopefully tough questions about your current situation and your desired situation. From that point, I'm gonna determine how we can help you. I could tell you how we can help right now, but it's not gonna do you the best good unless we go deeper and really make a good plan. It should take a few minutes. And then from there, 
I'm going to tell you exactly how we can help, the price, the timeline, how it works and everything. And then from there, you're going to let me know if you would like us to work with you or not. Boom. And at that, that point, you'll have your credit card ready and we'll get started. Sound good? I love it. And that's how we do it. And that was, yeah, exactly. That was one of my, speaking of like fundamentals and principles, something I would always wrap the setup call with. That was always the, the, the closing of the setup call. And then let's say a couple days or a week would pass between that setup call and the estimate. And that's what it opened every estimate with, just like you said at the door. Recap of, okay, here's how this is going to work. Yeah, that's, that's, that's command. You, it's, it's your show. They, they are along for the journey and it's a great journey and you want to make it fun. You want to make it safe. You want to make it engaging for them, but it is your show, not theirs. Um, and that, that is, it it does take the dropping of this need to be liked thing, Mm -hmm. which comes from insecurity comes from culture. I mean, here, like here in Canada, it's like, you know, we're so polite that this, you know, this is like, uh, indoctrinated into us, but there's a real, uh, power that comes from getting to the other side of this you're going to feel different you're going to enjoy your sales more but more importantly it's going to it's going to be so clear in the data the results will will speak to it yeah the customer's got many friends they don't they, they, they don't, don't need they, one more they don't need one more they need you totally. to totally yes <laughs> they don't need awesome. one more um cool amazing so stop needing to be like begin commanding the room any final thoughts on sales, sales process, sales skills, habits, excellence before we wrap here with Ryan? Sure. I want to kind of, I want to bring it back to one of the, what we were talking about earlier. I think one, one thing to just keep front of mind is if you can isolate for yourself, either let's say one of these principles, one of these three principles we talked about today, two of them, maybe it's, it's, it's another principle that we haven't talked about. Let's just say assertively asking for the job every single time, no matter what, right? Pick Today, pick what is a principle or two principles that you want to stick to and have enough respect for yourself and your time to say for the rest of this year, no matter what every quote I go into, here are the two things I'm going to do every single time. Like we started our first one around setup calls and that high level of pre-qualification. Commit to yourself right now that for the rest of the year, you're going to do a focused setup call every single time and you're not going to go to a quote without that. If I don't have a focused 15 minute setup call where I'm fully present, they're present, we can set this up right, I'm not doing the estimate. Or I'm not leaving that house without assertively asking for the job. Whatever it might be, commit to yourself, have enough respect for yourself as a salesperson, as a business owner, and your role as a leader, because you can't be selling as we talked about 70% of the time, 90% of the time, you got a business to run. but you got to commit these things, these things to your to yourself. And I know for me, looking back, back you know, back when I was learned a couple of these things from from Rob, who had that big influence on me. I remember it was May two thousand seven. Um, that was that was one of the big things I took away. I said to myself, okay, I, I saw a couple of these key things. I was pretty blown away with. Mm. I was like, for the rest of this year, I'm doing these three things, no matter what, every single time. Not ten things, Not three 10 things. things. It's a couple. Few things, yeah. And hold yourself to that standard. Yeah, this is really good. Just take away these like one principle, share it with your team, you know, put it in a note in your writing and just in your journal and just get it in you. And I just want to say something that just a little warning, like you're going to start valuing your time more. Like hopefully you're walking away saying my time's valuable, but you don't need to be on a prospect and say, hey, listen, my time's super valuable here, <laughs> right? 
<laughs> it's like so That's you don't even go tell people you're valuable. Like they're gonna feel that your time's valuable just based on how you're behaving, not what you're telling them. So it's gonna be good. I just felt like it was worth telling somebody, even one listener who hears that, um, just just let that that principle sink in and it'll just emit from what you're doing every day already, all the time anyway. You don't have to you don't have to talk about that. So I love it. Um, Ryan, this has been a wonderful conversation and it's going to be one of many. This was uh, sort of our V1. We're going to have you back for more in the future uh, because the depth and breadth of your expertise is is so huge. Um, I would love if you could just close us out. Tell our listeners a little bit about you and tell us about Sales Transformation Group real quick. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so yeah, Ryan Gross, my name. I'm founder of Sales Transformation Group and we help companies in the construction industry from a contractor all the way up to a supplier manufacturer who just want to grow like they want to grow personally they want to grow professionally they're frustrated that their closing ratios are too low or their sales cycles are too long or they don't know sales or their salespeople are underachieving and underperforming and they're just not connected and they're not performing at the level that you know is possible and you're like i just wish we had a system a hack, a shortcut, a way to accelerate this process because where I want to go, it requires us to be better in sales. And so typically like we help people who are really growth minded, who want to live, you only live once, YOLO, let's go big or go home, let's build something awesome, let's build a legacy. That's our energy, that's our people. Like we want people who want to grow on every level of their life. I know that sales and business, if we solve for that, it unlocks everything. It's like the incubator for every type of growth is sales and business like you're gonna who you are is gonna just show all the way through how you handle everything in the sales and business so we love growth we love transformation things like that um yeah just a little bit about me i mean my parents had a contracting business um actually my mom and stepdad my my mom and dad i came from a broken family there they divorced there was addiction and drugs and i'm not unlike many people like i i saw difficult dark times and so when i grew up you know, the American dream, the white picket fence reality, like I just started to see and witness it. And for me, sports was like the, the main way I could envision myself out. I didn't want to be a doctor or a lawyer. I like to compete. I'm a kinetic guy. I like to win. I hate to lose. So I got into football and baseball. I ended up, ended up choosing to play baseball and uh, just overcame tons of adversity, became extremely hardworking and just built great character during that chapter. It helped me really believe that if I worked hard, I can get something because I went from a walk-on to a division one school to and paying my own way at restaurants and waiting tables and you know things like that because I had you know little support to uh, getting drafted twice, being team MVP in college, you know, playing professionally, having a chance to uh, be with the Angels organization. So when that chapter happened, I was like, I, I know I can be a high performer and maybe baseball didn't go out the way I was hoping and be rich and have, you know, influence that way. But I knew that, um, that, that I could do it again. Right. And so when I saw my parents have a build a business, my mom and stepdad, a renovation business, I saw them, you know, their checks bouncing. I saw the stress on their family. I saw, um, you know, too much alcohol on the weekend. I saw checks, you know, checks bouncing. I saw turnover. I saw the stress. And then I saw some of the excitement. I saw the the va family vacation, the boating, right? The fishing, the extra money. the And I just saw a little bit of good and a little, and I saw some bad. And I was like, I had some hope. I was like, when baseball's over, I'm going to come and we're going to grow the business. And um, unfortunately, that didn't happen. The recession took them out. And I'm like, man, if they had a BTA, 
back then. If they had a, an STG, like what would my life be like as a second generation contractor? Well, that didn't happen. So plan A, baseball didn't happen. Plan B, uh, taking over the family business didn't happen. So plan C was, God, you help me figure this out. And so I started to just navigate uh, what I wanted to do. And I was like, well, A, I want to have a great family and make, make a great living, but I also want to make an impact. And so I saw that contracting and sales was, was really the area that I could solve for. And so I, long story, but I ended up getting into a roofing business, CRM company, started coaching, consulting back in 2013. And uh, it's like our mission. I mean, I know if uh, this industry, it's never going away. Uh, it's it, it, most people, valedictorians and pro athletes aren't thinking, I want to go be a contractor. They're like, I'm going to go work in tech. And I'm like, dude, no, like you can make a great living here as a contractor. It's a, it's a landscape that's wide open. So people who care, want to do it right, learn good business fundamentals, build great cultures. They're going to have an opportunity to leave an incredible legacy, make a great living, help a lot of people. And to me, it's like, what, what else would you rather do? So I know if we solve for sales, it changes the game. We do stats and statistics and, and 55% of salespeople in the construction industry are like terrible, like weak, weak, weak. Only 38% are like serviceable. So like only a very few, five, seven, 10% are like strong or elite. And I'm just like, man, if I can move the needle and get salespeople to be strong and elite, everything changes. So that's like what we're on a mission to do. And we have uh, sales courses and coaching programs and consulting that uh we roll out with people and uh to help them move the needle and it's a lot of fun so amazing uh where do people find out more about you and stg yeah so you can go to sales transformation group.com sales transformation group.com new website coming this month so i'm super stoked on that um you can check me out on linkedin uh i have i think I hover right under 5K uh, Facebook friends, so you can add me. I think we can, uh, you know, cause there's, there's room. people come and go. So, uh, and then Instagram, if you just want to get to know me, like, who's Ryan? I don't care about, like, I want to buy from people that I know. Like, look under the hood, do that. Like, check out my Instagram, Ryan underscore Groth. And then my wife and I started a Instagram channel called Team Groth, and we do, like, lives, and we talk about our family and our faith and our children and our business. And if you just want to know who I am and, like, the actual culture of what we're doing underneath the hood. Cause a lot of sales trainers aren't good with family. They like, they live a super unbalanced life. And mm. I try to go all in on like the important things. Cause I'm a leader, I'm leading families, right? Like I'm leading owners. Am I going to have uh, owners and salespeople overwork and see a divorce happen? Heck no. I don't want to see that happen. Right? So I'm trying to uh, live that part out. Check us out on that level. Check out our uh, YouTube channel too. sales transformation group. we got a bunch of like video blogs and, some pieces of content and um, yeah, just Google me. It won't take long to see some stuff, but yeah, we're, we're loving it. Having a lot of fun. So, and we are too, man. We are too. This has been um, a ton of fun to have you. Can't wait to do another one. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Benji. Thanks Thanks, Ryan. Good to see you, man. Hey, if you enjoyed this show, hit that subscribe button. It's what allows us to produce more awesome content for you totally for free.